Vicki Rupert McMahon, Chief Executive of the Cleveland Metropolitan Bar Association. We're excited to bring you this week's My Bar Story. Throughout 2023, the CMBA will be hosting a series of podcasts that have created a living legacy in honor of our 150th anniversary. The response has been amazing, and these conversations are being shared around Northeast Ohio and even the world. Now let's get started with another bar story. Hello, I'm Carl Beckany, a partner at Tucker Ellis and a member of the Cleveland Bars uh, Foundation Board. Hi, and I'm James Sullivan. I'm a partner over at Calfee Halter and Griswold in our insurance coverage practice. It's a policyholder side practice. And Carl, obviously, you're on the opposite side in a certain way. So this should be a fun conversation today. It's kind of interesting. And you and I have reflected recently kind of about our careers. And, and we're hitting that point where we're not young lawyers anymore. And uh, we've got a little bit of it in our rearview mirror. But And we've talked about kind of the Bar Association and the role it's played. But I don't know, maybe you could say a little bit about how you got into the law and how you got to what you're doing, what you're doing. You're right. It is interesting to think that we've had time pass now. It's been almost 20 years to practice law, which is wild. Um, so I was one of those people that um, kind of had the winds blow me into the practice of law. I was a philosophy undergrad at John Carroll, and I came to about my junior year, and I said, well, what do I do with my life? And one of my buddies in philosophy was studying for the bar exam. And so I said, I'll take a look at that, see what that's all about. And I took the bar exam, did okay, got into law school, and then uh, summered at Calfee, which is where I'm at now. Didn't know what I wanted to do. And luckily, I found some good mentors there. And they kind of directed me into the world of um, litigation, business litigation. And then several years into it, I connected to another mentor who's been very active here at the Bar Association, Mike Britton, uh, and he guided me into the world of insurance coverage. Um, so in, in that sense, I'm, I'm grateful for the mentors around me, and it's been just kind of an interesting goja, flow as you go sort of a career. And um, the reason I like to mention that I just kind of had the winds blow me is because some people in this world know what they want to do, know they want to be lawyers. Other people in this world, they just kind of find the path. And, you know, my suggestion to those folks is just uh, make sure that you have, um, you know, make the best choice you can at the moment with the with the information you got. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I was kind of reflecting on this myself. And I, I no one in my family it, it was in law or involved in law. In fact, they're all um, kind of more in the medical in, in the medical field. When I was in college, there was a, a program where they were offering a free LSAT course. Um, they actually offered it. I think maybe my sophomore year or something like that, a little bit sooner than I would have really started thinking about law school. But given the the price tag of of nothing, uh, I took advantage of it, which got me thinking about law as a career a little bit sooner than than I might have thought. And as I was thinking, preparing for today, one of the items that I kind of reflected on was for a while, it was difficult for me to know what I was getting into. I was interested in the law. I was interested in the, the intellectual rigor that it took, the problem solving, all those kinds of things. But I really didn't know what it what it meant. Certainly, I didn't know what it mean, meant to be kind of a trial lawyer. Even though I did well in law school and ultimately was a summer at Arter and Haddon and, and started there and then and joined Tucker Ellis uh, when, when that firm kind of split from Arter. It was an interesting development for me because in many respects, it was all new. And so you use the word mentorship. And for me, that was kind of the key to was that there were people early on for me. It was uh, Frank Osborne, who um, some might know was taught at, at uh, Cleveland Marshall for many years and others, you know, Hugh Stanley, who chaired then our trial department or Kevin Young, who, you know, from the insurance practice, um, who's kind of carried me through. And those have been the folks who have really kind of, I think, cultivated and helped me grow professionally. And like you, I suppose you and I are the rare, the, the rare bird where we 
have kind of been out with the same group of lawyers at the same place for our entire careers. Yeah, that's right. It's interesting you talk about how you were the first in the family and you just kind of, you know, got into law and you weren't sure what you were uh, getting into at first. What do you know now that you wish you had known early in your career? One, one of the things that I think is challenging about the law that I talk with younger lawyers, especially I think a trial practice, is kind of the ups and downs. I, I knew it was going to be difficult. I knew there would be, you know, intellectually it would be challenging. It's it's time consuming. It's it's emotionally draining. But one of the components is is this idea that you have really good days and you have really challenging days and that you have to kind of have an even keel and weather the really challenging days and take appreciation for the days that are really good. And it's one of the things I really enjoy about the practice because you know, on those tough days, you're there as the advisor to your client and you're walking them through a place they don't want to be in and you get to celebrate the positive days. But I think that that psychological component is not something that I really had thought about or kind of contemplated much early on in, in my practice. And a, a, just a quick funny story about that. I mentioned Frank Osborne was kind of a mentor of mine. Frank has a large family. And my recollection is that none of his kids really went into the practice. And even though they were all highly successful, and I kind of remember asking him why that was. And he gave me an explanation that was something along the lines of, well, they had difficulty losing, you know, that they they had just been successful. And there's a lot of truth to that. There is a psychological component to this where I think you have to be prepared to really ride this practice, which can be exciting and take you down interesting roads, but can also take you down some really difficult days. For me, if I was going to talk to myself as a first or second or third year lawyer, I would say that it is. there's many things where we, we don't know what we don't know as a young lawyer, and that that's okay to not know what you don't know, and that that's usual and customary and natural, and that basically everyone as a new lawyer experiences that. And if they don't, they probably ought to. I definitely dealt with a lot of stress and anxiety over that topic my first couple of years. And what was curious to me is, is, is nobody around me was saying that. My colleagues at my vintage were not saying that. My people above me that I worked with were not saying that. Nobody was saying that. And it may sound like a small point, but you know, be mindful that lawyers tend to be high achievers by nature, especially a law student who's succeeded throughout their entire academic career, you know, they tend to pride themselves on knowing a lot of things and they tend to pride themselves on being able to do things competently. And so it's an extremely, at least I found, disorienting experience when you get into this world where you just, not only do you not know the answers to many things, but you don't even know what you don't know. I just think that, uh, you know, junior lawyers hopefully can understand that that's part of the process. It's a natural, normal part of the process. And that's the whole point of experience, right? Is as you develop experience, you begin to see what you don't know. And then now I think, you know, for you and me at our stage of our careers, there's still a lot we we don't know. You can't possibly know everything, but at least we kind of see what we don't know. And, and, and I think once you get to that tipping point, you feel more stable as a lawyer. And so that's, I think, probably the main thing I talked to my, my young self about. You know, both you and I, I know, have some roles at our, our respective firms with mentorship of younger lawyers, and whether formal or just through our role as more senior lawyers providing guidance to someone who's coming up in the practice. How do you convey that to them? Is this a discussion point? What's your, I'd just be curious what your perspective is when you, when you offer that up and what you recommend? I try to do it in casual settings, um, comfortable settings, whether that's over coffee or 
over a, a dinner or lunch or, or even sometimes I like to, to do mentoring in a, in a walking format. It just kind of lets you experience each other in a, in a different way than just a formal um, office setting. And yeah, I just kind of try to talk to them and share my experience. And um, I, I think hopefully that helps to, to disarm people and, and make them understand that it's not just some, you know, older guy telling them how it is, but it basically says, I was there, I've been there. And, you know, hopefully get them talking about it and sharing what their experience is. But even if nothing else, just saying, hey, if you're feeling that way, it's normal. I think, I think hopefully that goes a long way for people and, and uh, certainly for me. And, you know, I know something that's come up a lot in what you've said here today and I've said here today, even though we've only been talking a few minutes, is is mentoring. I am a huge believer in mentoring and I encourage any young lawyer to really make it a high priority to seek out good mentoring in their life. This really is kind of an apprenticeship style of a profession that we're in. And I do not know how I would possibly have succeeded in the practice of law without having some really, really strong mentors. I've had all sorts of mentors, you know, special shout out to Chris Williams, who was my original mentor um, to this day is still a mentor and dear friend. And then Mike Britton, who was the president of the CMBA for a while. He was a mentor in a way that, but for him, I'm, I'm not. I'm not doing what I'm doing today and I might not even be at my law firm. I may not be practicing law. So um, that's that's a really important thing. And I know it matters to you. It matters to me. We've talked about it. And, and, and that's something that is valuable and should be valued. You raise an interesting point that I always relay to younger lawyers that are coming up. And it was a little bit of a strategy that I that I also use. I've looked to different people for different points of mentorship. You've identified a couple individuals. I can tell you that, you know, there have been various more senior attorneys who I have turned to at various points and thought that aspect of their career, I want to do that like they do. And some of it's highly technical. You know, Rob Hanna, who's a, who's a dear friend and been a mentor of mine for many years. You ever tried a case with Rob? You know, there's no, no, no business litigator, commercial litigator who handles documents better than he does. And his exhibits at trial and the way he handles them are perfect. I always wanted to emulate that. Um, how do I do that? Certainly people like oral arguments provided by Irene Keys Walker or others. I mean, it's just every one of them has kind of brought some component that I've tried to pick from and that I try to put into my practice uh, today. And that's something I tell younger folks is to observe, you know, watch those around you who you really kind of respect and think, wow, that's really great. And then think I could do that. And then pull them aside and say, help me. How do, how do I translate this into my practice? How do I learn to do this like you do? Lawyers like to talk. And if you make that approach, if someone reaches out, you know, they're, they're undoubtedly going to be interested in, in relaying that and providing that professional perspective. And, and something I see, frankly, with younger lawyers who kind of succeed in the practice is they usually have multiple points of contact multiple individuals they're working with, multiple types of matters. So they're getting a, a whole cadre of different types of experiences that are that are filling them in. Something that I think sometimes happens, there's a mistaken belief, especially by junior lawyers, that, that mentoring means being told what to do and that you must do it the way this person is telling you to do it. Um, and, and I love what you said about, you know, as a, as a lawyer, ideally we're trying to synthesize and become our own self, our own lawyer. Ideally, in a perfect world, each generation of lawyers is getting better and better and better because ideally, as a new lawyer, you look around, like you said, and you get different mentoring. 
different things from different people and you try to synthesize that in something that works for you so you can be the best version of you and the best version of a lawyer that you can be. I always encourage junior lawyers to try to develop that that judgment to understand when there's something that you have to do because that's the way it's supposed to be done versus it's something that is is one way of doing it, right? And so that over time, you can start taking the best of, of each lawyer you work with, each mentor you have, and and leave the rest. Again, I'll use the word synthesize yourself into, in, into a, a, a powerful lawyer. Now I f- kind of feel almost like an obligation, right? To try to instill that into others. And, you know, one part of it and component, and I think it, you brought it up when we started talking, but I think it's worth underscoring is, you know, we're two, we're two lawyers that typically would see each other on the opposite side of the V. You know, one of the things that I have been eternally grateful for this bar association, which I think has done a tremendous job of really trying to kind of balance um, both sides and say, look, we, we are an association of all of our legal professionals in this community. And that professionalism among us and training among us is paramount. And so we've talked about specific mentors, but I think about, for example, the insurance law section or some of the other stuff we've been involved with and us going to, you know, as younger lawyers, we'd be typically tasked with the, you guys are going to present at our next meeting and some interesting Supreme Court case or whatever was going on. And of course we had our own kind of take on it, right? And I can remember sitting in some of those rooms with some of the names you've mentioned and I've mentioned where you and I were a little bit more junior and having kind of a really interesting, candid debate, conversation about the law, those kinds of things and professionalism. As a younger lawyer was not lost on me of the importance of kind of the collegiality and the professionalism and how important it was to the practice and to what it is that we're doing. One of the things I would say to younger folks is you do not have to sacrifice your legal position or your arguments or your uh, advocacy for your client by being professional, by being intellectually honest, by kind of adhering to some of the, the principles that we were raised and developed in. And I think that's an important thing that just can't like be underscored enough for those that are coming up. And I've seen it. I know that you can do that. I know you can be both professional and um, effective. And I think, you know, when I look to the to the dialogue we have and what we've been able to kind of accomplish over the years, even though we can be on the opposite side of these things, I think it's kind of a, a great testament both to what the Bar Association offers and what we need to do professionally. Yeah, I agree. And, 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 and that's a kind of a nice segue, actually, in, in my mind. What has the Bar Association here been to you and to me? And I'm actually grateful that we're doing this podcast because it gave me an opportunity to kind of look back and reflect. I started my reflection with what did the Bar Association do for me, for James Sullivan, right? And then then my next progression was I, I started seeing that it's not about me. It's really about a we. And that's what the whole Bar Association is about is a we. And the Bar Association has really allowed me to have a we in many ways, right? You know, like you said, the insurance law section, which is something I've been a part of, you've been a part of, that gave me my introduction to the network of insurance coverage lawyers in Northeast Ohio in in a way that, you know, just being an adversary doesn't give you, in a way that just working with my colleagues in the space at my law firm doesn't give you. And at the time, I did see it was happening, and I was grateful at the time. But even now, you look at back at some of those um, formative experiences in this section, and like you said, the collegiality. And 
the insurance law section is a great illustration of this because as as you know in in the US the folks who serve the insurance companies and the folks who serve policyholders often can be extremely antagonistic and aggressive toward each other and and yet it seems that here there is that professionalism and mutual respect um, that I think helps to get problems solved for all of our clients, whoever we serve, whether it's the insurance companies or policyholders. And honestly, I don't want to overstate it, but I think you could lay at the feet of the Bar Association a, a large portion, if not the, the the biggest portion of that collegiality. From a personal standpoint, like many things that are kind of good in your in your life, someone made a, a suggestion and kind of pushed me to do something and I did it. And of course, it it, it, it turned out to be a great decision. Which I think is another theme, you know, that I would say, and I, it's, it's funny. Um, I, I hear my wife say this to, she teaches some college students. And I think it's a good piece of advice for, for those we mentor, which is put yourself out of your comfort zone. You know, put yourself into situations that you, you think, I don't have time for that. I'm not necessarily interested in that. I'm going to give it a try, but here we go. For me, for the Bar Association, it started very early. I'm in, interested in the arts. Um, and my wife's a musician. And what was then the Volunteer Lawyers for the Arts Association um, had kind of faltered a little bit. And some individuals who had started it um, years and years ago, Bill Joseph being being one in particular, I was kind of referred to him by, of course, Mary Growth here at the Bar Association, who who seems to be at, at the at the forefront of many of my bar stories. And it was kind of like, hey, you're a young lawyer, you're interested in the arts, do you want to get involved in this? And then we were kind of off to the races. And that got my then involvement with Justice for All Committee, um, which has been fantastic. And ultimately, I got involved with the bar, with the board uh, of the association and now on the foundation board. And we've and I've done things like the the Great Lakes Symposium along the way. And it's it's one of those... If you can kind of dream it, the, the and, and if you're willing to roll up your sleeves and get a bit involved, the Bar Association is willing to get behind it. And that when you end up finding out is there's all these lawyers, whether they're in small firms or large firms or public service or, or judges, who are interested to get behind you. In fact, one of the first meetings with regard to the Volunteer Lawyers for the Arts, I was thinking about this, is now Supreme Court Justice uh, Donnelly. And he was in private practice at the time but also interested in the arts. And it's just amazing how this kind of unfolds over time. And we find ourselves in these situations. And so whether it's substantive law, whether it's your pro bono passion, whether it's activities for the community, this to my mind has really been the hub for the profession. And honestly, dates back to a handful of people saying, we're going over to the Bar Association today. I'm taking you to the uh, GCs and judges event to introduce you to people. In this kind of Zoom teams world, virtual world, work from home, hybrid and things like that, I'm curious your thoughts on some of the reputation, professional involvement. Because I think as younger lawyers, we spend a lot of times in in courtroom hallways and things like that meeting and getting introduced to people. And I think that was so critical to kind of our development. Oh, Yeah. That's a great point. And, you know, earlier in this conversation, I used the word apprenticeship style of a profession. And, and I do believe that we live in a world now where we have a lot of very helpful, useful tools like Zoom, right? And, and, and obviously email and text and, and the like. I personally don't believe that you can become a really exceptional elite lawyer doing nothing but communicating from afar. I think you need to have those interactions 
with the other lawyers, ideally in person. And and those day in and day out ones you talked about, like milling about in the hallway of a courtroom or milling about even the cliche, the water cooler, right? For me, a lot of the magic in the mentoring that I experienced was in the 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 informal as opposed to the formal settings. I personally believe that the answer, as with many things in life, is balance. You know, we're going to end up, you know, we've got to accept that remote work can be both effective and efficient and give you an opportunity to get work done, which sometimes you can't get in the office. Um, but I think we all have to collectively accept that you need some in person too. Is it more often than not? Is it three, day, three days a week? Do Should law firms pick a day? Should law firms encourage people to come to the Bar Association events in person at least once a month? I mean, I don't know the right answers and everything and every, you know, every formula that works. I just know that you got to have that balance. You got to have that blend. Talking about this makes me think, and, and when I reflected for this podcast, on all the different things that the Bar Association has offered to me and offers to other lawyers. I've been able to receive mentoring through the Bar Association activities I've been involved in. I've been able to give mentoring, hopefully, helpfully. It provides us with leadership opportunities. I'm grateful to have a couple of leadership roles at my law firm where I can be of service, hopefully. And some of my ability to to handle those roles stem directly back, trace directly back to what I've done here at the Bar Association. I've been in the leadership position with the insurance law section, leadership position with the mental health and wellness committee. Learning from those experiences has helped me hopefully be a better you know, servant at my, at my law firm. We get to learn about a profession here uh, through the CLE programming and through the casual conversations you've talked about. We get the networking from CMBA events. Um, we get professional development. And, and all these things, I, I look back with and I say, wow, I do owe a debt of gratitude to this organization for, for, for helping me, especially as a young lawyer, hone my, hone my craft and, and, and get to know my craft. Obviously, we all kind of belong to different associations and things, and they serve purposes. Some of them are oriented towards what side of the V we're on. Some of them are more academic-based, whatever it might be. But the thing that I, I really appreciate about the CMBA is that it's my community. It's, it's my opportunity to have to use my craft as a lawyer to have some kind of impact on the people around me and the people in the community that I, that I live in. Most people, I mean, even if you're of a business-minded background, a corporate attorney or, or, uh, or, or what have you, has some sense of wanting to impact, wanting to impact their community and this idea of helping others, right? I mean, that's fundamentally at the core of what it is that we do, which is, you know, we're counselors, we're advisors, um, we have specialized skills, but fundamentally we are walking our clients through challenges. And so we have that kind of I think, desire to make an impact to help. The CMBA, frankly, more than any association that I'm aware of, takes the that ability to like the next level and just runs with it. And the thing that I love, I mean, I mentioned the VLA when I got started and, and you know, that's almost 20 years ago, probably is 20 years ago. And it's amazing to me how many lawyers have come up, taken the mantle and kind of run with it, and what an important part that is, still going strong. And then when you think of all the additional opportunities, like three R's or mm. the health law symposium, or all the different things that have kind of come up throughout the years. And the other thing I would say, and I really appreciated this about being involved in the board and things, is to get to know lawyers that I don't practice 
with it all. You know, the criminal side, for example, I'm a civil practitioner. Well, I get to spend time, you know, on the foundation board, for example, or when I was on the association with someone who might be a prosecutor, criminal defense lawyer, and just get exposed to them because we share the common bond of being part of this profession and in this community. And um, so I think that's a great opportunity. It's kind of like back in college, you had zillions of different options of menu items. And, you know, some of the core classes you took because you thought you had to and it was appropriate to, but then you had lots of stuff where you said, let me find out what interests me. Let me see what captures my attention. And, and that's the nice thing about the Bar Association is, um, yeah, there's certain events you may want to attend because you feel like you ought to. But more importantly, I would encourage everyone, especially young lawyers, to really look for what of the menu of offerings a CMBA has that speaks to you. That's the secret sauce to really making a lot of value out of the CMBA. For me, the insurance law section was really, really appealing to me and um, because of what I was trying to accomplish in my career. And so, you know, I was able to engage that with an enthusiasm and a vigor the same way it sounds like you have been with a lot of the things you've chosen. So I would just, I would encourage you young folks to explore as much as you can at the CMBA. There's so many options and uh and find what uh find what what gets you fired up and and really lean into that you know one of the things that struck me that i think is true today for you and i as much as it was for those who who mentored us which is um making a personal invitation you know going down to your office and saying hey i'm going to this event over at the cmba i'd like you to come with me and how important that kind of personal invitation was and the impact that it had and I think as you and I kind of look at where we're at and what we're trying to do with some of our younger folks as they come up is, is realize, at least I, I'm beginning to realize the importance of going to that office and saying, hey, I want to introduce you to someone and going down there and then and, and kind of doing what someone did for me um, now decades ago. So I appreciate uh, your taking the time to do this. I know I asked you to do it and I really appreciate it. I think this has been a, a lot of fun and, and hopefully folks find this uh, somewhat interesting. Thanks, James. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for another edition of My Bar Story. We appreciate the hundreds of you who have downloaded and subscribed to this podcast. Let's keep this conversation going. Visit clemetrobar.org forward slash podcast to listen, subscribe, and to schedule a recording of your own bar story. See you next week.